This is Retire Strong Radio with Eric Scoggins from ETS Financial Services. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Eric provides his clients and prospects the information they need regarding social security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now here is Retire Strong Radio with Eric Scoggins. Hello and welcome back to Retire Strong Radio. My name is Eric Scoggins from ETS Financial. If you would like more information about what you hear during our show today, give us a call at 770-904-1978 or you can visit us online at etsfinancial.com. And while at my website, go ahead and click on that radio page to check out past shows and to subscribe our program uh, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us with any questions or to set up a face-to-face consultation or even a virtual meeting. You know, market volatility and its ramifications has been a source of financial angst for many Americans since the early days of COVID-19. And now we have the current economic situation in Ukraine and the related significant economic sanctions on Russia, adding even more uncertainty to both our economy here at home as well as the global economy. During these uncertain times and during uncertain economic times altogether, people are asking, you know, hey, if their retirement strategy is now in jeopardy. Uh, In many cases, uh, a robust strategy can often hold up well against economic upheaval, but worrying about your economic future is is only natural when we're going through times like we're going through right now. You know, during this segment, we're going to discuss how you may be able to better handle what we would call economic anxiety. But before we begin addressing our topic today, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Tony Shore, who is always a reliable voice of calm and reason. (laughs) I don't know about that, but yeah, (laughs) thanks for the compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. And you know, my motto, never get too high, never get too low. Um, That's good. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, take life as it comes. But I think this is a great topic and Eric, the timing couldn't be better As you noted, uh, I was just beginning to feel like we were coming out of that COVID-19 economic crash once and for all. Uh, But now we find ourselves in the middle of this dangerous crisis between Russia and the Ukraine. And, you know, the implications of that, it's had real economic consequences for people all over the world, right? Yeah, absolutely. A very dire situation and very sad situation that you know we're having to to witness what's going on over there in Ukraine. So today we're gonna um we're gonna talk about a um a recent CNN business article uh, called Three Steps for Dealing with Market Volatility," and it has some very relevant and valuable information. Um, as it notes, the S and P five hundred fell by more than 5% in January of this year. That's its worst performance since the early days of the pandemic. And those conditions remain challenging well into February. And I will also add, you know, it was a roughly a 10% pullback in the S&P and up to a 14% pullback in the tech-heavy NASDAQ. So definitely uh, some challenging times for the market, uncertain times, but not you know, it's not something we haven't been expecting for uh, for some time now. Uh, we, you, you can always expect to have 
uh, if you're going to be in the market, a 10% pullback every single year. You know, we just we just haven't seen one uh, in a while. So the article further explains why that financial experts, as well as our own institutional money managers that we use in our firm, further predict that economic volatility will remain for some time due to inflation, rising interest rates, global political upheaval in Ukraine, and the continued fallout from COVID-19. Well, yeah, and that's <laughs> there is continued fallout, of course, and, and there are a lot of factors, obviously, here. But I can't imagine, Eric, that there's much out there that's going to give retirees and pre-retirees stomach pains quite like market volatility, right? Yeah, Tony, that's exactly right, especially if they don't have a plan and they don't have a portfolio that's in alignment with their current risk tolerance. So, um, the, you know, Tony, the, the article talks more about market volatility and how it can sometimes be a positive thing. Uh, for folks that are still long-term investors, especially those who are still in what we call the accumulation phase, and those who stick to a dollar cost averaging regimen, which means that they're regularly contributing to their investment accounts over time. Every single pay period, that money is going into their investment accounts, regardless if the market's up or down, because it potentially allows them to, to buffer some of the risk by purchasing stocks during both highs and lows, which over time essentially will level out their returns. And yet CNN further explains that the market's recent performance has some investors very nervous about the possibility of a correction that sees the market fallen by 10% or even more from recent highs. And Tony, I will mention this. So yeah, CNN further explains that the market's performance uh, has some investors very nervous about the possibility of further declines in the market. And as we mentioned a moment ago, yes, we can expect this year is going to be a, an extremely volatile year. So just kind of buckle up and hang in there. Yeah. Well, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, there's three steps to dealing with market volatility. So what's the first one? Super. Okay. So the first step, Tony, is really moving money that you may need in the short term out of the market. You know, as the article explains that money should be moved to safer in tools like high yield saving accounts or money market funds, that money includes in, you know, important pots of money like your, your emergency funds or, and opportunity funds uh, and cash for things like a down payment of a home, a renovation, a wedding, maybe a, a car purchase. Uh, additionally, the, the article also notes that if you're retired or getting real close to retirement and you plan on using a portion of your portfolio for everyday cost, that you should consider moving at least two years worth of expenses out of the stock market. Well, that's that's interesting and uh, a great advice, obviously. So what's tip number two? So the next tip uh, and piece of advice is really to stick to your plan for the longer term investments during times of economic volatility, it is perfectly natural to become jittery, but it, you can't allow those feelings to cloud your long term goals. So take a breath and remember what you're saving for. If you're diligently putting money away for retirement that's still years off or for your two year old's college education, don't get knocked off course. As the article makes plain, you still have lots of time for your investments to recover from dips or corrections in the market. You know, 
Tony, the reason that some financial experts urge long-term investors to keep most of their money in a well-diversified portfolio with a heavy focus on stocks is according to the article that volatility and short-term risk may allow for higher future returns. And obviously, these days in the news, there's a lot of talk about this inflation that's running rampant right now at 7.9%. So you've got to have stocks to have that inflation hedge as well. Sure. At the end of the day, you know, ultimately, you got to decide for yourself what allocation is in your best interest based on the time frame that you have and your risk tolerance that you can take. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, that's great advice, uh, too. You got to find ways to hedge against inflation and deal with the market volatility. And and that brings us to the third tip, right? Yep. The The third tip, Tony, actually is just to make sure you have realistic expectations. You know, as the article reminds us, even with, you know, short term bear markets that, you know, that struck during the beginning of the pandemic, investors have seen record performance in recent years. In fact, the S&P 500 is up nearly 60 percent during the last three years. And CNN also goes on to note that it's easy to lose sight of the fact that historically returns tend to run more in the say 10% range and bear markets, which are defined as pullbacks of 20% or more generally occur once every two to three years. So in the end, this means anticipating that your investments will continue to perform as they performed during the last three years really isn't reasonable. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And that's, that's a good point. And the, You've given us a lot of good insights here, but to me, it's also a reminder of just how important it is to work with a financial services professional. Yeah, you got it, Tony. Like yourself. I mean, right? Absolutely. You got to have someone who can partner with you in this, especially. Uh, Otherwise, you may wind up making uh, rash or emotional decisions that can really hurt your long term financial security. So, you know, when it comes to your overall financial strategy and more specifically your retirement strategy, the consequences of mistakes are really too serious to go it alone. So make sure you've got an experienced fiduciary expert in your corner who can help guide you to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's again, something you need to consider. Um, why don't we let our listeners know, in fact, right now, how they can get a hold of you and set up that complimentary, no cost, no obligation consultation. Absolutely. So Tony, uh, listeners can visit our website at etsfinancial.com. That's etsfinancial.com or call my office at 770-904-1978 and discuss, you know, we can discuss how we might be able to help you to answer some of your questions, uh, address some of your concerns about your path to retirement. You know, it is our goal to help you to properly prepare and plan for that happy and worry for retirement that you've worked so hard for. Right. And that's just it. You've worked hard and you've worked your whole life saving for retirement. Uh, you need to be able to enjoy it. You don't want to lose that money. Uh, you want to make it last. So uh, let's keep moving on. During the, that first segment, you talked about all these ways we can hopefully protect our assets and talked about a financial strategy to have to uh, protect yourself uh, from some of the market volatility. And I know you said you wanted to switch gears and also discuss Medicare in, in a way I don't think we have before. Uh, and what do you mean by that? Uh, what what are we going to talk about regarding Medicare today? 
So, Tony, this this all comes down from a phone call from a client who's also a regular listener of our show. And, and she called me one afternoon and said, hey, you know, I really appreciate your shows on Medicare and you do a good job on telling us what Medicare is. And you also tell us how you know often about some of the ways uh, the program might be in trouble. Why don't you do a show, you know, sometime on uh, some of the ideas for things that could actually preserve Medicare for the long term? And you know what? I thought to myself, Tony, that, you know what, that is a great idea. So after doing a little bit of research and due diligence, I found an outstanding article from Kiplinger uh, that's titled Five Fixes That Could Help Save Medicare. And it's a really offers some eye-opening insights. Sure. Sure. Uh, That's that's good. And I think it's going to be good to talk about this. You've got me fired up. So what are some of the key things that jumped out at you? Well, let's just kind of start off with some of the basics. Okay. So for many years now, we've all seen plenty of news stories with, you know, blaring headlines declaring that Medicare is in big trouble uh, thanks to a subpar funding and an increased cost. And as it currently stands by, you know, 2026, uh, it's reported that Medicare's trust fund for Part A actually could run dry. So recall now that Part A covers inpatient care at both hospitals and skilled nursing facilities. And how it's funded is it's it, Part A is funded, funded mainly through a 2.9% payroll tax with employers and employees both kicking in 1.45%. And high income earners could actually be contributing more. And if you're self-employed, well, guess what? That's right. You pay the full 2.9%. So it was recently the the Congressional Budget Office projects that another $516 billion is needed to cover the program's potential shortfalls between 2026 and 2031. So without any action, Medicare has enough revenue to cover about 91% of Part A's cost beginning in 2026. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. So those numbers got my attention. Um, what is what does that Kiplinger article say about Parts B and D? Okay. So so Medicare Parts B and D, which cover things like you know the office visits to the doctors, prescriptions, uh, things of that nature are funded through primarily beneficiary premiums and tax revenue. So there's some good news and some bad news here. The good news is that parts B and D are currently well-funded because their spending is tied to expected yearly expenses. The bad news, however, is that current adequate funding doesn't necessarily mean that parts B and D are on solid economic footing. Part B expenses are rising faster than those for part A, and even are outpacing the overall economy. Wow. And yeah, as we talked about, you know, on previous shows, and the article also makes very clear, eventually Congress will need to address this Medicare issue. And, you know, in my opinion, they're going to have to because the program is nothing short of essential for millions and millions of Americans. The big question, million dollar question here is, you know, how are they going to address it? Yeah. Yeah, that is the big question. Uh, and I would agree. So Medicare needs a little help. Uh, what can be done or what should be done? Well, Tony, you know, the first potential fix is, is to increase the eligibility age above the current age 65. Now, 
there there definitely are some members of Congress out there who have advocated for lowering the age to 60 uh, for non-financial policy reasons that we won't get into today. Uh, the fact of the matter is that lowering the age wouldn't help the program's finances um, at all. Um, in fact, the article argues that because of changing demographics, there may well be no choice but to raise the eligibility age sooner rather than later. You know, when Medicare became law back in 1965, a 65-year-old gentleman was expected to live around, you know, about 13 years. And a 65-year-old lady was expected, you know, to live somewhere around another 16 years. And today, those numbers have jumped to 18 years for men and 20 years for women. In 1966, there were 4.6 workers supporting every one enrollee. And in 2030, it's expected to that 2.3 workers will support one enrollee. So the, the trend is not our friend here, Tony. Yeah, the trend is not our friend. Well, I'm sure that for at least some of our listeners out there, especially people in their late 50s or early 60s, the idea that Medicare eligibility uh, might raise the age of eligibility, they might raise that age. Uh, that might uh, cause some uh, blood to run cold or, or not make people happy. So what are some of the pros and cons? Yeah, absolutely, Tony. So let's just kind of kick it off with the pros, all right? The increasing the eligibility age may go down easier than you think because something similar happened before. In 1983, Congress increased the full retirement age for Social Security from 65 to 67, spread over a 22-year window that began in 2000. And the Congressional Budget Office predicts that increasing Medicare's eligibility age would slash billions from the federal deficit. Wow. And so what are the cons to doing that? Well, those are pretty obvious. Uh, first, employers and younger seniors would have to pay for the health care that Medicare previously covered, and that expense would likely be in the billions every year, according to Kiplinger. Yikes. Yeah, it, 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 yeah that's, you know, we're talking large dollars there that's put on the shoulders of retirees or those getting close to retirement. So raising the eligibility age could also also drive up the out-of-pocket costs for people already on Medicare. And why you think? Well, because people first coming into Medicare are younger and healthier than older recipients. But if the eligibility age went up, it would definitely mean that a pool made up of older and more sicker people. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It, it would it would be a pool made up of uh, older people and people who had more health issues. Uh, and wouldn't it also be possible, another con is that uh, older Medicare eligibility age, if they raise that age, it could leave some people uninsured, right? Sure. That, that is a, a very, very real possibility, Tony. Um, according to the Congressional Budget Office, if an older eligibility age had been implemented back in 2020, by about you know 2026, there would be about 3.7 of the people affected by the change, about 5% would actually be uninsured. Well, you know what? This is a lot of great advice. And I, what I think is, you know, Congress likes Social Security. I don't think our government's going to let anything happen to Medicare. It's like the third rail of politics, right, Eric? I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're going to find ways to keep it solvent. Um, and I think this has been a terrific show. You gave us a lot of great tips on dealing with market volatility and talking a little bit about uh, what's going on with Medicare. 
some great information. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap things up? Absolutely. So, uh, folks, if, if you have any questions about Medicare or your financial strategy, I encourage you to visit my website at ETSfinancial.com or call our office at 770-904-1978 to discuss how myself and our team might be able to help answer your questions and address your concerns. Because, again, it is our goal to help you best plan and prepare for that happy and worry-free retirement that you have worked so hard for. All right, uh, that does it for today's episode of Retire Strong Radio with our host, Eric Scoggins. Thank you for listening to Retire Strong Radio. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a solid retirement plan. For more information, please contact Eric Scoggins at ETS Financial Services. Call 770-904-1978 or visit him online at etsfinancial.com. Com. Investment advisory services are offered by First Advisors National LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Georgia. Insurance products and services are offered through ETS Financial Services LLC. First Advisors National LLC and ETS Financial Services LLC are affiliated companies. Eric Scoggins and ETS Financial Services are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.